we have been looking at what protection for what we sow in the armour, for what we show, where we go, what we know, for the salvation in which we are secured. Um, <clears throat> verse 17, if you fit <clears throat> Ephesians 6, and take the helmet of salvation, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. So the helmet of salvation, that's well described, isn't it? And those that were listening to or being written to at this time would have envisaged the Roman soldier with his metal helmet on his head and uh, we today if you work on a construction site it's compulsory you wear a hard hat bit of a nuisance at times because you can't wear earmuffs and a hard hat well they've got them now that they're joining together so I say well I'm under canopy of a steel canopy why do I need a hard hat you've got to wear your hard hat when <coughs> on the bulldozer <laughs> but um, that was way back when in teenage years and protection of the head some of the things were flying around there I don't think it would protect it anyway <laughs> it was too big for the, the things the objects the rocks and so forth from the blastings but we uh, need to put this hard hat on and if you got a well which is more damaging if you get hit in a limb or hit on the head Who's been hit on the head? Oh, Tony's been hit on a limb lately. <laughs> I saw evidence. <laughs> hit by a what? Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't want that hit on your head. <laughs> because it, it certainly does a lot of damage. Who's, been knocked, who's ever been knocked out? Yep. If you've been knocked out and um, there was a rock for me kids play with rocks and we had a rock fight <laughs> and my cousin did it <laughs> and I woke up in the bedroom with Dr Spud Murphy we call him Spud Navy doctor and he's there with the needle <laughs> and all the families around me hours later I didn't know what had happened but um, needed a hat when you play a game with rocks, shouldn't play a shouldn't play with a game with rocks. Um, <clears throat> what set man apart from the beasts of the earth? What sets us apart? What makes us different? Man became a living soul. Any other thoughts? Made in the image of God. And and what does that entail? What does that mean? Well, what's that image? How is it in our in our lives? Characteristics. Yep, some characteristics, and they are uh, that an animal doesn't have. Okay, that and this sets us apart. Just throws evolution out the window. <laughs> okay, spiritual desires we can worship. We can worship, can't we? That animals can't worship. You ever see a, an animal worshiping? An idol of any sort? No. Uh, what else have we? What have the animals not done? Uh, Vivian, <laughs> you work with animals. <laughs> oh, <now> he's, <laughs> he's got... uh, creativity, maybe? 
Yes, okay. That's a thing that animals don't do. So what does creativity need to, to make us creative? A mind. We have that God has intellect. And, and they're, Mary's just saying conscience and they don't have a conscience. You know, a bull can gnaw, gnaw whatever, say, to death. He has no conscience about that. And they do each other in too. Although I've seen when there's a lot of blood around, the animals go a bit wild. But um, no intellect. Now, emotions. Animals can look sad or mad or glad, I suppose. But uh, the emotions, our emotions, yes, there is the emotions that we have. Intellect, emotions, there's something else that we have. Yes, the will. The will that makes us, sets us apart from, from animals. We have these distinctive things. When you think of all those things you've just talked about, where are they? <laughs> where are they stored, basically, in our body, in our head, in our heart? You know, we say, we say the heart. Keep your heart with all diligence. <laughs> Which part of you? You know, as a man thinketh in his, as a man thinketh in his heart. That sort of throws a spanner in the works. Think in your heart. And um, that, that's why they say when you get a heart transplant, you start thinking differently. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't had one. Don't want one. But <clears throat> all these things set us apart. Animals wouldn't be a trinity, would they? No, they're not a tripartite being. They're just a body. Yeah. And, the, in the, in, uh, and when they go down... It says, talks about them going down to the earth, that's it. The animals are finished. You see, when, when you start worshipping and elevating animals to the, to the place of human beings and saying, you know, and the same word, the judges are doing it now, you know, you kill an animal, you kill a human, you get the same time or whatever. And so when we start doing that, you can see we're starting to worship the creature as God said in Romans 1, they would more than the creator. So we've been, we've been made to worship God. We can reason. We, we can do things. So the intellect. We can think. Express thoughts. We can organize. We can verbalize. We can articulate. Um, music. The birds sing, and there are tunes to them, but they don't compose music. <laughs> Um, we can do maths, physics, philosophy, anthropology, astronomy. We're made in the image of God. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the helmet of salvation protects us from the satanic influences and interference on our minds. It says in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, The God of this world hath blinded the minds of those that believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine in unto them. Devilish deception, denials and distortions, dooming influences of Satan's darkness upon the mind. And it's going on all the time. Satan is working on the minds, the hearts of people. And that word sometime we could use interchangeably with the mind and the heart, like we spoke of before. Now how many... <coughs> Correct conclusions can man reach apart from God's salvation, spiritually speaking? How many correct conclusions 
and this is where psychology is a probably a dangerous area, especially unsaved psychologists. How many correct conclusions? They can look at the behaviour and they can say it always goes this way. They always decide to do this or, or that in human behaviour and come to their conclusions. You see, God states it, the reason why, what's wrong inside, what's wrong in the mind, what's wrong in the heart. As a man thinketh, so is he. Um, uh, what's wrong in the conscience? And so very few, especially when their conscience is defiled, psychology, sociology, um, spiritual matters, they're bent and twisted. And Titus chapter 1 and verse 15, just over there. <clears throat> Unto the pure are all things pure. Unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. Even their mind, their thinking and their conscience, this is right, this is wrong, is defiled. And most of us, well, we're born with a conscience. And often that conscience is, is like innocence. But slowly it builds against God and it becomes it can become defiled. Even their mind and conscience is defiled. Their thinking and the conclusions they come to. You know, we, we as humans can send spacecraft into far reaches of space and into the solar system. And now we know beyond the solar system, one of the spacecraft have gone. We can split atoms and blow things up. We can use it for energy. <laughs> we can unravel the genetic codes and all the things that they're doing today. There's always something new every second day, a new invention, and they're all, they're, they can be used for great and good. But sin impairs our thinking about our relationship, especially with God and our fellow man. <clears throat> Satan's lies are diabolically clever. And under the influence of demonic insinuation and suggestion, man deliberately sets aside divine revelation in favour of human reasonings almost all the time. This happens in churches too. This happens when we read the Bible too. <laughs> we set aside revelation in favour of what we think. How can that happen in churches? How can that happen in Christians' lives? Preconceived. Instead of exegesis, you eisegete this text. You. You read into it instead of letting it read to you. That's it. And that's it. And what is a system of interpretation that does that? And does it big time. All through the Bible. Allegorical method. It's human reasoning over the scripture. Not letting the scripture speak as it is written by God. And that's an allegorism or spiritualizing is human reasoning. See, your idea on that passage and Joe Blow's idea on that passage and someone else's idea in that passage can differ if you allegorically interpret that. 
I think it means this, I think it means that. You hear people doing that in discussion things. What does the Bible say to me? Not what do I think it means. And so let's be very careful, because Satan can use this to deceive multitudes. And uh, <clears throat> he, it appeals to the unregenerate man, the old man that we still have with us, <laughs> the old man that hasn't been eliminated and won't be until death. They seem to make lots of sense and they appeal to human pride. It does too. Oh, I've got an interpretation that you haven't. No, what is God's interpretation of this passage? Not mine. What does God mean here? And it, you can come to the conclusion there's very few places that uh, there'll be places you might have it hard to interpret, but you can come to what the Bible says, what God wants us to know. To the unsaved person, to the unsaved mind, the conscience is defiled. The theory of evolution to the unsaved is more plausible than the story of creation. I'm just reading about a bird that they've dug up. And it, the, the, the uh, evolutionists are trying to relate the birds to the dinosaurs. <clears throat> and they dug it up and it was way down deeper than what it's supposed to be. It just means it got buried earlier in the flood. <laughs> but to them, it's billions of years, and it shouldn't have been there because it had things it shouldn't have had. And then they find the same bird up higher millions, billions of years later, and it's the same bird. That it's, oh, well, yeah, that's where it's supposed to be. But they, they go pretty quiet. And uh, then they, the, the, the method they use now is well, there was two sets of evolution of the same animal. One way back then and one later. That's how they excuse that. Anyway, it's more plausible than the story of creation. That's human reasoning. That's the mind. You see, God created us in his image to be able to think and reason through things and bring up logic and so forth and, and have a conscience. But in, the, in so doing, the danger is what? We go and think for ourselves. You know, when you raise children, you have to let them know of other things that are going on outside of your family and your church just so that they see the world for what it really is instead of letting them just go out there one day and, wow, I want this. So, <clears throat> because the mind can get led astray by all the things that are seen and done around. But communism... Used to, used to seem more, much more practical than Christianity, especially Christianity as it is distorted by Satan's dupes today. Uh, <clears throat> With all that's happening in the last week or two about this Chinese man that came over and is supposed to be a, a spy, a double agent or whatever he is, just lately in the news... And he's saying how China's doing this and China's doing that and China's got, a, China's got their little fellas, people in positions and influencing politics and all the rest in Australia. You think, oh, uh, only the Lord knows what's really going on there. But <clears throat> it seems practical, more practical than Christianity. To the unsaved man, a creed demanding works seems more logical than the cross, does it not? To the cross... The, the cross and Christ dying on the cross seems, seems um, gaudy to people who are unsaved. 
Why should a man's blood be shed for me? And so a creed of works, thou shalt do this and thou shalt do that, seems more plausible. Humanism is more attractive than holiness. Psychology seems more reasonable than salvation. And Satan never gives up his attacks on our thought process. And Satan would like to undermine our belief in the Bible. That's in, it's inspired, it's inerrant, it's in, the infallible word of God. He would like to distort our doctrines so that we base our beliefs on erroneous, inadequate, hermeneutical or interpreting processes. He would like us to think wrong thoughts about God the Father, the Spirit and the Lord. And <clears throat> what really has happened in the church in the last 100 and so years is a distortion of the position and ministry of the Holy Spirit and the charismatic circles. And I heard the other day, and it was unsaved people saying it, that there's 600 million charismatics in the world. You start thinking about it, 1.2 million Catholics, about the same Muslim, and then that. Now, I don't know if that 600 would be counted in the Christian circles. Well, Christian circles. <laughs> but... Uh, <clears throat> The, the distortion of the Godhead. And, and it's very specific in Scripture, especially in John. If you've got a distorted view of the Lord Jesus Christ, <clears throat> then more than likely you're not a Christian because you're trusting in somebody that is not God himself. And it's, it says that in, in 1 John. Um <clears throat> He would like us to be mistaken, Satan would, about the plan of salvation and the daily practice of Christianity. Satan would like to twist that. He would like to, us to espouse cultish absurdities. Why do, people, why do people follow cultic doctrines that are clearly not in the Bible? It's because Satan has blinded their minds. And convinced them of something else. He would like us to dilute God's demands. That we be like the Lord Jesus Christ in all holy living and godliness. To live a joyous, peaceful, patient, kind Christian life. He would like to distort that. No, no, you don't have to be so strict. He would like us to emphasize service at the expense of worship. We need to know God so that we can serve him. We don't serve him to know him. You get in the cart before the horse. Yeah. <clears throat> Service comes after knowing him and worshipping him. He would like us to be occupied with the cares of this world. Doesn't it say that in scripture? <laughs> the cares of the world. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. But we get taken up with the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches. We lose sight of the world to come. I was just reading a little bit in the book that we gave out about the evangelists. Ridley's, Ridley's testimony there. And what got him thinking about eternity was gold. And he heard bits of verses and he heard songs and he heard someone announce that he's going to preach on this and that about soldiers and, and about gold and 
he was all ears and he was very disappointed at the end of the sermon because he didn't go where he wanted him to go. But when he started hearing that God has made a place of gold, then it really pricked his ears up. And that's what led him to the Lord in his young days uh, before he come to double figures. <clears throat> but the deceitfulness of riches, we can lose sight of the world to come that's so much better than the world we are in. He would like us to lower our standards and allow the world to pour us into its mould, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Or go to the other extreme and make the mistake of isolation instead of separation. And that's happening today, isn't it? You've got to strike the balance. You go one way or go the other way and you'll fall off the cliff. You're like walking along the ridge. There's that ridge when you go up to... You go through Harrietville and you go up that mountain there. What's that mountain called? It's not Falls Creek. It's not Buffalo. It's the one in the middle. Hotham, is it? Hotham. And anyway, you go up there, you wind your way up and you get toward the, almost to the top before you go through a tunnel and, and the road goes on a ridge. It's like a peak like this of rock and the road's there. And um, <clears throat> I can imagine if they didn't put rails up, you'd be off the edge in the snow. And... Um, <clears throat> Christians are to stay on the road, on the ridge, not to go this way or that way. And, you know, <clears throat> we throw off the standards and say, well, I'm living under grace. I'm allowed to do what I please. Or go the other way. I isolate myself from the world. And what sort of Christianity is that? How, how can that do what Romans, I mean, Matthew 28 19 and 20, go ye, go ye into all the world. How can it do what Acts 1 verse 8 says? Go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. We've got to go out and not be isolated. And so they interpret isolation as separation. And many people are that way today for fear of being contaminated by the world. Have you, have you seen in anyone's life where that has happened? where a young person has been raised that way and then they've got, they've, they've got their liberty. What, what happens to them? It's, pray to God it doesn't, but what can happen to an individual like that? Go wild. Go wild, Go wild don't they? Well, <clears throat> the exclusive brethren people um, used to give them a year where they could go out and see what's in the world. They had them separated, isolated, let them, and let them out. Do they? Okay. The Amish do that. And, um, and they see what's out there and they, they, the, the glitter and the glamour and the fun, the fun they have, but they don't want to go back to the life that they did have. And so, yeah, balance. Stay, stay on the road. <clears throat> I got written down here like monks and nuns. The helmet of salvation. Oh, it, it, it happens. As a man thinketh in his mind, is it? Heart. So is he. Because if you can control this, the rest of the, the body will be controlled. It, it, it makes everything else move, doesn't it? Uh, without the mind, you can't think, you can't see, without, you know, taste, everything functions through that and the helmet of salvation is important we won't even get to the outline we've got it'd be good to start that afresh anyway the, think of the 
and salvation and what it encompasses. Many things. Election. Predestination is talked about. Justification. And we've been doing these things a sermon at a time early in the year right through this year. Sanctification. Glorification. Substitution. Redemption. Reconciliation. Propitiation. Repentance. When you draw it up, these are and others are to do with salvation. If you take a look at Romans chapter 8, <clears throat> Romans chapter 8, verse 29 to 30. And there's a few places in Scripture where it piles them all in it in one little spot. <laughs> Romans chapter 8. The doctrines of, of salvation that are involved in salvation. We know, starting at verse... 29, sorry. For whom he did for no. That's that one like First Peter chapter 1 verse 2. <laughs> Elected according to the foreknowledge of God. That says it in Peter. Whom he did for no, he also did predestinate. So he knew those people that would be saved before they got saved. And therefore he predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son. You can't conform an unsaved person. You saved a predestinated person. I mean, you conform a predestinated person to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Predestination, foreknowledge, conforming, born again, they're all in that verse. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And when God calls and draws a person, they get saved. <laughs> And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? You see all those things crammed in a just a couple of verses there. And Paul let go on that rejoicing in all, all that you could think of. In when, and Ephesians is another one. Chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1. Just a couple of verses before we go to our prayer time. <clears throat> Verse 4. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, through which he made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You go down to verse 11. In whom also we have attained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him that worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. See all these doctrines. <clears throat> no animal can look at anything, can't read. <laughs> No animal can look at this. We can. We are made special in the image of God. So let's protect what we think in the society in which we live. 